you have a Thanksgiving chair, how often do you sit in that chair? Where do you find that the chair appears when you're invited to sit in it? Each of us live very full lives. We're always looking to the next thing, the next scheduled event. Even this week, some of us will just run through the week, even with all the family activity, and we will fail to sit in a Thanksgiving chair and truly thank God for all that He's done. Even if things aren't going very well for you today, you can find something to thank God for, including the very breath that you have to live on this earth. As I get older, I'm reminded more and more to spend more and more time in the Thanksgiving chair. There's something about thanksgiving that helps recalibrate life and set the center by which you and I can live as God intended for us to live. Not as frazzled people coming and going and always wanting and longing for more or frustrated by this or that person, whether at work or in the home or at school. But being who He called you to be, fully alive, Fully alive as a human being, but fully alive in a relationship with Him. Because you are created for communion. Communion with the One who created you. The One who is referred to as your loving, heavenly Father. Who sent His Son. So that through the Son's life, death, and resurrection, you and I could be restored into a relationship with Him in spite of all the sin that we've done in the past or we're currently messing around with right now. It's through the Son, Jesus Christ, that we have means to access, to have fellowship with God, to be able to sit in a chair of thanksgiving. Do you have a thanksgiving chair? When was the last time you sat in that chair? You know, today we're going to spend some concluding thoughts in a a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to some Christians. And it's interesting with the Apostle Paul because in this letter he was in prison and the Christians were young and they were struggling and trying to really get a grip on what it meant to be a follower of God and, and a follower of Jesus. But throughout this letter, as with many letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, you see the word thanksgiving emerge a lot. In fact, it emerged last week in Colossians 3. And in Colossians 3, it says that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him. And many times the thanksgiving that comes about is thanksgiving for people in your life. And so as Paul steps from Colossians 3 into the latter part of his letter, he starts to refer to people that he's thankful for. And we're going to read that part 
of the letter in just a bit. But, you know, it's interesting because God's always so timely in my life, it seems like. So I was reflecting on things I'm thankful for sitting in a Thanksgiving chair. One of the things that (coughs) comes to my mind readily is people like you. People I'm grateful that God's brought into my life. People that really do love Jesus, want to follow him, and people that want to um, take that love of Christ to other people, both in word and deed. And this morning as I was getting up, um, I don't know why I usually don't on a Sunday morning, but um, I opened Facebook and there was a FaceTime message for me (coughs) from somebody I knew many years ago. I still know him, but I'm not in a relationship, close relationship with him. And he FaceTime messaged me. This next year, as I mentioned to the Rooted Group last night, I will have been in vocational pastoral ministry for 30 years. <coughs> and in those 30 years, you end up meeting a lot of people and being on journey a lot together, not only in friendship, but on God's mission. And this was one of those individuals who was a part of the journey when I began a work back in the Midwest, hmm, 20-some years ago now, I think probably when I met him. He's a dentist. He did a lot of good work on me. He had a lot more work he wanted to do before uh, we disconnected. And his name is Stacy, Stacy Johnson. Stacy Johnson comes from a farming background, too, and he... Um, was a hog farmer rather than a crop farmer like I grew up around. He's a very successful dentist on the south side of Indianapolis today. and He texted me this. You've got to understand, I've not heard from him for a long time. Hey, dude. <laughs> That's Stacy. I decided it was too cold to go deer hunting this morning since I already killed my buck and I would just be hunting doe. I dropped my buddy at his stand with my Polaris and returned to the house. They do hunting like that in the Midwest, right? I pulled out my Bible and started playing worship music. A song came up that we used to sing when we were at Eagle. That was the church that we'd started. You were very instrumental in my walk during those formative years. Thank you for your obedience. I often think fondly of those years. I miss that season. Just wanted to say thanks. Be blessed, my friend. I read that this morning and I went, what? Aw. Aw, thanks, Stace. That's really neat. I texted him back. I said, aw, thanks, Stacy. I'm doing some final prep and prayer and reflection to head to the church here this morning in Southern California. The awakening is sort of like Eagle in its early days with young believers in the faith and trying to chart early days and into the future. I rest in God's leading as I again get to challenge others to mature in the faith. I'm finishing up the last chapter of Colossians where Paul states his gratitude and lists his companions in the work. You would be on my list if I wrote an epistle. You were a great encouragement to me as well in my formative years as a young pastor. Good memories for sure. Thanks for the touch. Words of thanks and blessing. I think I might just use it this morning if that's okay. 
love and prayers, Carrie. He says, yep, that's fine. <laughs> From one farmer to another, a little fertilizer to nurture the crops. <laughs> love you too, bro. You know, all of us can reflect on people that we've journeyed with in life. And some of you can reflect on friendships that you had with people you journeyed with in the ministry. Some of you who started this church 10 years ago with Dave and Elena Reynolds can remember those early formative years and maybe even just a few years ago before some of all the different kinds of transitions happened here really in the last two years and becoming the Awakening Church. Fond memories. Don't ever let go, not only of those memories, but those friendships. Even if they're distant and you don't have a lot of touch with them, God gave you those friendships. And those people, many of them, would be there for you in an instant if you called them up again. No matter how the comings and goings have happened or transitions in life and, and people moving here and there, you were not called to go through life alone. Whether as an individual and making your way and making a living and having a family, you were not called to go it alone in ministry either. And so the Apostle Paul, if he was to take his moments and sit in his Thanksgiving chair, you would find him writing what's recorded in Colossians 4. And I'm just going to take a few moments to read it. It's not going to be on the screens. Listen to it as if it was a, a Facebook quick time message from the Apostle Paul. Because those are the kinds of relationships he had back then. You see, our faith isn't about some mystery of ancient days gone by or some lofty, holy people that are set apart from us. They were just real people like you and I. And the Apostle Paul was one who was called out as a sinner who was baptized, and he was a deep sinner, and saved by God's grace. And then God just commissioned him to take the good news to wherever he would go. So it only makes sense as he comes to the conclusion here in Colossians, and we'll look at it here today as well as next Sunday morning. But in Colossians 4, he says this. Can you see him texting away <laughs> in his prison cell? Yeah, they, they had Wi-Fi service back in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What's Paul doing? He's at it. He's, he's given exhortation and challenge for them to continue on the ministry path, even though he's sort of in one sense sidelined, but not really in a prison cell, he's commissioning them to continue to share the good news. But then he drops into listing a bunch of names. And this is usually the part of the epistles sometimes. You just sort of jump over and say, okay, he's done giving us exhortation. Well, let's move on. What's the next one? Oh, First Thessalonians is the next book here. No, pause. Real life, real people. Real gratitude. Paul sitting in a thanksgiving chair in his cell. He says this, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is my dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. 
I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Here he is texting away and he's saying, I know you want to know what's going on with me and around. And we sort of wish that he would have put that in this letter, but he didn't. He says, I'm sending to you a friend. And you know him, and, and he's going to tell you, and this friend, it says, he is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I like those three statements. A f- dear brother. The brotherhood. you got some brothers and sisters in your life. Maybe you're sitting beside them this morning. God's given you to one another. Be thankful and continue to nurture and develop those relationships. And he's saying, you know, for Tychicus, I'm telling you, he's just a dear bro, man. Hey, bud, what's going on? He's a faithful minister. Faithful. One who was steadfast in doing the work of spreading the gospel around the known world at that time. He was faithful at it. Day in and day out, ups and downs, highs and lows, in and out, money or without money, he was faithful. And a fellow servant in the Lord. His friend, and he had this chemistry with Jesus that Paul also had, and he knew that he served because he was a bondservant of the Lord. And then he mentions Onesimus here. Onesimus was a slave. Actually, he'd sort of gotten in trouble, and he'd left the Colossi area, and he probably took some of the money of his master. He was sort of had a bad name. But, but Paul brought him into his fold. And Onesimus came to know Christ. In fact, the, the letter of Philemon is actually written to Onesimus' master to make sure that Philemon would receive Onesimus back and, and if there's anything to be owed, Paul basically just said, hey, put it on my tab. Aren't you glad for second chances? No matter what you've done, where you've been, you can be included in that brotherhood, that sisterhood of followers faithful ministers, servants of the Lord. Verse 10, my fellow uh, prisoner, Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes uh, to you, welcome him. Now, it's interesting here with Barnabas, uh, the cousin of, I mean, of Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Uh, Mark, John Mark, actually was sent out on the first missionary journey that the Apostle Paul took when he was taking the gospel to the nations. And Mark came from a Jewish, a rich Jewish widow in Jerusalem. And somewhere along the path, something went wrong with John Mark. Maybe the possibility is he got homesick and he wanted to go back to Mama. And he said, Paul, I can't cut this, man. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And, and Paul was a little peeved at him. And so Paul just sort of didn't have anything to do with him a lot. And Barnabas took John Mark under his wing and end up going to Cyprus, but it was Mark that ended up journeying also closely with Peter and wrote the Gospel of Mark, most likely. And you're like, here's this strange relationship that Paul had with Mark, but yet he's one of the people Paul thanks for, is thankful for in the Thanksgiving chair because Mark had come around. Aren't you glad that if you're young in the faith and you're immature and maybe you've done just some stupid things and, and all this, that you can still continue to grow and be one into strong relationships, especially with people who are godly people 
And so he mentions Mark here, but then he also mentions another person in this group here. And it says in verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. Now, Jesus was a common name in that day, but then they would refer to, okay, Jesus, who is called Justice. This is not Jesus Christ, you know, this is another person. He sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. If you sat in the Thanksgiving chair this morning, who has proved to be a comfort to you in your life? Maybe in one of the more challenging times. Maybe when you didn't know if you could take on that opportunity that stood before you. And they came around you and put their arm up alongside of you and said, you can make it, man. You can, you can do this. Maybe somebody's been there for you when you've not physically felt well. Are you thinking of them right now? Because that's what this week's about, right? Thanksgiving week, we should be thinking about things that we're thankful for, thankful to God and thankful for others around us. Let your mind run wild. Who would you include in your epistle? And here he mentions this individual and these individuals as being a comfort to him. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is the one of you and was sent as a servant of Christ. Jesus sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hyperopolis. Epaphras. Do you remember that name? It comes from Colossians because that's why, in part, the letter was delivered to them. It's through this individual who had probably started this group of Christians there. The Lone Ranger that went out. Paul's thankful for him. And he says, you know, this individual that helped start the church there, you know what he's doing day in and day out. He's wrestling, not just praying. He's wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you. How's he working hard for you? He's not even there. He is praying hard. If you're in your Thanksgiving chair this morning, who would... You thank God for it that has prayed for you consistently through life has been an intercessor. For our dear friend Luke, the doctor, how we know Luke, who wrote the gospel, Luke was a doctor, is because of Paul's reference here. The doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and Nympha, and the church in her house. Oh, that's interesting. There's other places that had little churches going on. You're right. They didn't have church buildings. They had like rooted group meetings, life group meetings, in people's homes. And here was a lady, it's believed that was leading this in her home. Verse 16, after this letter has been read to you, see to it, that is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Paul, his text messages were to be passed around. You know, here's, here's my update. Here's what's going on. Here's my exhortation. You guys read it in Colossae and then, then take it on to Laodicea or to Hyperopolis and then the letter that I've sent there. Why don't you read that and bring it back? See, Paul knew that what he was writing was authoritative. These weren't just letters of, hey, you know, if you, if you want to think about it, it's a good idea. Why don't you try to do this, you know. You know, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Put to death these things that don't belong. You know, they weren't suggestions. He was speaking authoritatively in their life. And then he said, take these letters and pass them around. 
Now you may ask, well, what about this Laodicea thing? Where's the letter in my Bible from Laodicea? I wish we had it. We don't have it. Some people believe, and there's a good reason to believe, that that letter was actually Ephesians, because Ephesians is not marked Ephesus. But it was a circular letter, and all those places were in what is modern-day Turkey. That's where the gospel was expanding into the Gentile world. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. One final exhortation. And then, you know what he does? It's just like the letters today. Sometimes they're dictated, and this letter was dictated. And it was written, and it gets down to the, hey, you know, love and prayers, yours truly, sincerely, or whatever. Paul picks up the pen, and he writes, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul. Paul didn't see himself as a bishop. He didn't see himself as a pope. He didn't even necessarily see himself as a lead senior pastor. He saw himself as a fellow brother, a bondservant in the faith. When I sit in the Thanksgiving chair, I'm thankful that as your pastor, I'm really just your fellow friend and servant in the kingdom's work. And this church will continue to have the impact that God calls it to have because we, as a body, not because of the staff, move it forward. I am thankful for you, for every member as a minister of Christ. Last night I told the Rooted Group this statement that you can impress people from a distance, but you impact people up close. You impress people from a distance, but you impact people up close. And Rooted was one of those experiences where we got closer to one another, as scary as that is for you. And so I encourage you, let's do it. Let's get together and impact and encourage one another. But can I just say this before we move into a time of communion? There is somebody somewhere that someday needs to pull out a Thanksgiving chair and sit in it and thank God for people in their life. And they need to thank God for you because you are going to become obedient to impact them up close. All these things that the Apostle Paul said that he was thankful about for these members of his team, may those not just be words to us of thanksgiving to people that have been involved in our life that we give thanks for this week, family and friends, co-workers, whoever it may be, but may it be an exhortation to us to impact people up close so that we can be a word of thanksgiving and praise that comes out of their lips someday because of the faithfulness that we stepped into with them. We're going to spend time around the Lord's table. We've separated the table today. I'm going to encourage you in a little bit that when you do your communion, you go up along the walls and you come out this way. You take the bread, you break it. If you're a follower of Christ, you dip it into the juice and then you can go partake wherever you feel in this room, back to your seat or whatever. So up along the walls, you head to the back, up along the walls, come in and then you go back to your seats through the aisles. In preparation for our communion, 
I want to give you some moments to reflect on what you would thank God for in this chair. And so some of you don't need to come take communion right away. You need to stay in your chair and spend some time thanking God. Others of you can come. Communion tables open to anybody who is a follower of Christ and for being obedient to Christ where he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body for you. And he took the cup and he gave them the cup and they drank it. And he said, this is my symbolic of my blood, which brings about a new covenant, the blood that he would shed on the cross. And he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death until I come again. And won't that be what great Thanksgiving reunion when we get to eat of the elements in the presence of Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb's table. So we're going to have a time of communion, but I want you to spend this time giving your thanksgiving to God as you feel led. We're going to close our time with the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But to get our focus set on that, I'm going to invite you to listen to this rendition of Great is Thy Faithfulness that just happened a few weeks ago. It was on The Voice. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. There 